Hello and welcome to the Board Games Ireland podcast, uh, a podcast all to do with board games and their place in Ireland. <laughs> uh, we're kind of, uh, we're relaunching essentially the podcast and this is sort of a new season, if it will, and it's myself. This is season two. Yeah, this is myself and Frank in the studio. Hello, Potters. And uh, what, what's happening is uh, in my day job as a mild-mannered <laughs> office worker at a community radio station, uh, I've just launched a um a podcast platform sort of essentially like a network where different people will train people how to make their own podcasts and we'll like host give them hosting space and show them how to produce them and make them and give them the equipment they need to do that uh, so it's uh, yeah it's just very sort of in beta at the moment essentially so we'll be uh, adding more uh, um podcasts as we go along so i think we're just starting with three just being one of the three podcasts so there's other ones out there yes. so if you go to nearcast.ie you can have a look at the site and all of that's on it if you're new to board games ireland uh podcast um maybe we should explain a little bit about what we are uh primarily board games ireland is a meetup group uh it's the, probably one of the largest meetup groups in dublin and no probably about it no, it is one of the no, largest. It's one, yes, it is one of the largest. But it's there are going to be probably one of. Oh, well, it is one probably of. Probably the largest, or at least one of the largest. Yes. If it's probably one of. <laughs> well, there are others that are like uh, magnitudes larger. <laughs> Magnitude? Yeah. Several magnitudes. Like, there's ones that have like 10,000 members. Oh, yeah, we're not at 4,000 yet. And magnitude has 10,000 members. I, well, the orders of, of magnitude higher than our I don't order. know the order of magnitude. Okay. They sound nefarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a quite a popular meetup. The order of magnitude, but they all uh, have to they all have to dress up in yeah, robes and uh, stuff. It's weird. It's uh, <laughs> yes, it's uh, they, huge robes. They all bring a magnet. <laughs> they attracting new members constantly. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, we're one of the biggest meetup groups in Dublin, and we're definitely probably the biggest board game meetup group in the country, probably. I'd, no, definitely, definitely probably about okay, it. We okay. are the biggest book. <laughs> yeah, we are very shy. I'd say maybe it'll be our fifth birthday in November and currently working on trying to think of doing something special for that. Are we? Well, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm working on I it. I wasn't going to It's in the, in the pipeline. Cause, well, we've never recognised its birthday. So maybe we should now that it's five years old and nah. remember its birthdays. When I it's think old. we should just let it pass. <laughs> um, with indifference. So, yeah, well, I'd say we'll hit 4,000 members by the time then. So what it means is, is contemporary... Yeah, so board games are expensive hobby, I suppose. It's expensive to own board games. But well, it, relatively. Yeah, you can buy There's board games. expensive hobbies. But, yeah, the main problem isn't really acquiring the board games other than the expense of acquiring those board games. It's finding the other humans necessary to enjoy those board games, which... Yes, capturing them. Yes. And putting them in cages. Yes, yes. yes. We can't all, all have magnets, like the order of magnitude, to gather That's humans. why we're the largest. Yeah. Uh, so what Board Games Ireland offers is we have meetups twice a week where you just go along and everyone just brings their own board games and say, do you want to play this? And other people go, yeah, I want to play that. And you play that and it's great. <laughs> and, uh, and we have, it's, yeah. so we'll have between what, I don't know, 30 to 50 people at our Generally, meetups every yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and a lot of footballers recently. Oh, well, yeah, the World Cup. Now that's out of the way. It's like a graveyard. So we meet up twice a week, Tuesday evenings uh, and Sunday afternoons in a pub called Alfie Burns which is right across the road from the National Concert Hall so just off Stephen's Green there um, and uh, yeah yeah we just play board games and I don't know maybe Frank do you want to explain what what's different because when a lot of people who might be new to this podcast probably won't know what we're talking about when we're saying board games when we say board games they're probably thinking yeah those five same games there's five same games so there's <laughs> early board games which everybody knows you know um rock with another rock hit two rocks together and make some money type games like um monopoly and chess and scrabble and we do get people they they're welcome to come along they bring scrabble they play scrabble they're very happy doing that but um sometime i'm not quite sure when i did i did get a, a lesson on the history of this it was roughly the 80s in germany um because they um, are complicated people and they were still historically um, emerging from the, the chaos of World War II. They um, decided to make these games which were quite complicated and about nice things like farming and stuff and doing it together. And they used um, lots of different pieces and money and they were quite complex. They were layered. And these games, um, my, my take on these games is sort of more recent games probably we'd, we'd talk about something like Settlers of Catan that's probably the most 
popular one that's probably the most well-known of the more complex games. Um, they are involving and they generate stories. So when you play these games, as opposed to when you play Monopoly, you you tend to go, you, you have a narrative arc, you'd have events during the game which make everybody react in a certain way, and you end up talking about the game afterwards. Um, and this is a crucial point. Uh, you talk about how it went, what happened with different people. Um, and there's lots and lots of different types of games um, like that out there now. Many, many different um, levels of complexity. And um, that's what that's what we are really all about. Yeah, it's sort of there's been the sort of a renaissance of board games. I mean, I know Germany have been at it for quite some time, but uh, it's probably only really in, the, really in the last 10 years that it's taken off big time That's elsewhere it, yeah, around the world years. and uh, yeah things like Settlers of Catan is probably one that really sort of broke the mould for a lot of things and yeah. that, then out of that loads of other stuff people that was sort of a gateway drug if you will <laughs> for a lot of people and then there's just like again like uh, Settlers of Catan is now so almost so old fashioned people would look upon it the same way as, as they look upon almost. Yeah, yeah. there's um, Ticket to Ride would be another big one mm. for like a certain introduction game so for anyone out there who may be listening, and I was at this stage once, and everybody goes through it thinking, I don't know, maybe I'd like to be interested in board games. First board game I ever bought was Ticket to Ride, and I think it's a very good introductory game. If you're not used to the more sort of complex type of board gaming, um, Ticket to Ride is the one to get and and try out. It's a sort of family-oriented game. It's not overly challenging, but um, as a sort of an introduction to the type of thing, you could get hooked on and addicted and eventually um, double mortgage the house and mm-hmm. sell the kids for this is um, this is what it would be uh, and actually there is a new version of Ticket to Ride that's just coming out like this month I think there's one every uh, month the, yeah oh, but the new one this one's even more streamlined so it's Ticket to Ride New York I with believe. taxis yes so you're yes. yeah trying to create a little taxi empire in, in New York but it plays real quick like 30 minutes or something oh yeah so it's uh, it's uh, so it just uh, it, that's a nice spot maybe I haven't tried it yet but I think that again Ticket to Ride is a good um, starter game yeah uh, so yeah that's just a little bit about us a bit about contemporary board games uh, in addition to running the meetups since last year we have been running our own uh, sort of board game convention for Dublin now there are a lot of sort of nerdy type sort of board gaming conventions and stuff in Dublin but there's nothing that uh, pure is pure just board games uh, a lot of them tend to be more focused on war games and which are a bit more complicated it's lots of little miniatures and they're really expensive hobbies uh, yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah, things a, like, a lot of painting yeah and then there's LARPing and RPGs and things like that but as we so just for anyone who doesn't know what LARPing is I don't know what it oh, is you don't know what a LARP is okay a, LAR- a LARP sure is LARP'd a live action role play so it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons but you actually dress up as a wizard and Oh yes, I have done that. Yeah. I have LARPed. Yes, yes. accidentally. Once there's quite a good. Mountains. There's quite a good movie starring. Um, uh, what's his name? Who's Keanu Reeves. Game of Thrones? Uh, Keanu Reeves? No, he wasn't in Game of Thrones. Uh, you sure? Yes, yes. Uh, it's Tyrion from Lord of the, uh, Game of Thrones. Um, he is in a movie. I think it's the Knights of Bad Astom. It's called. Yes, uh, it's Peter about, Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. That's it. Uh, so yeah, it's about larpers, and then things go wrong because actual demons get summoned up, and uh, quite a fun uh, movie. Overlooked because it got stuck in like limbo for a long time and didn't get released. But yeah, check that movie out. If, yeah, but it's <laughs> the same thing. It's um that thing that TV show with the kids. The same idea. Which TV? Stranger Things. Yeah, same thing. You know, <laughs> they play. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's a well, real that's, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons gotten a huge surge in popularity as a result of ga- things like that as well. Um, and yeah, began fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons really opened it up for a lot of people as well. So it's interesting. A lot, a lot of people are like opening themselves up to the concept of that. Just yeah, this type of thing isn't just a niche interest. It's for everyone. Anyone can play, and that's it's a fundamental part of being human is play. And uh, it's important that we don't like shut ourselves off from it or say, oh, that's just for. That yeah. type of person. Uh, everyone games are for everyone. So um, yes, in addition to running all this, so uh, running the meetups, we also run uh, our own board game convention called BiggieCon, BGICon, BiggieCon, however you want to pronounce That's it. BiggieCon, not yeah, PiggyCon. No. PiggyCon is a convention for yeah, those yeah. micro pigs, which are very so, small pigs, and they let them all run around and they look at them and try not to step on them. That's PiggyCon, and there's GiggyCon, which is for mm-hmm. um, you know people who travel around the country doing gigs. But this is. BiggieCon, yeah, which is a very different thing altogether, which Gavin will now describe. Yes, uh, past the pigs—that's a good game. Uh, 
BiggieCon or BGICon stands for Board Games Ireland Con. It was kind of just a placeholder name, but I kind of grew fond of it. And uh, I don't really care if people pronounce it, pronounce it how you want, whatever you feel in your heart. That's the true pronunciation. BiggieCon. So I pronounce it. That is the uh, that, that that's our board game convention. We run it once a year. It's typically on the August Bank Holiday weekend, as in it was last year, and it is again this year. So this podcast, it'll probably be, this podcast will probably be going in the day before it. So if you're listening to this podcast, you still have time to buy tickets. They're twelve euro, and that covers you for the whole day. We're in the Teachers Club on Parnell Square, and you can get them on the door. Yeah, you can get them at the door as well. Or you're not on the door, but go through the yeah, door. Yeah, go through the door. First. They won't be they won't be nailed to the door. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it runs from eleven o'clock until late, uh, and we just does be a huge selection of board games there, uh, with a few other little sort of special events that I can mention that we're going to have at it this year because it's bigger than last year. Uh, yes, I didn't want to push it being too big because kind of a motto is like uh, <laughs> promise little, deliver less. That's yes. uh, kind of like a motto for board games, Aaron. But in this case, I think we are delivering slightly more than we did well, last year. We're certainly year. promising little so far. Yes, so. Uh, we are baking events that uh, Gabriella has uh, who is one of her organisers she has run two of these already where members just make nice baked goods and Mm. bring them along and we play board games and eat the baked goods and then there's a prize for best baked good so we're doing that again at BeakyCon if you bake a cake or a tartlet or some other thing that could be baked perhaps uh, we a will brick. give you some you bake a brick. We will give you some raffle tickets for our mega raffle. And in addition, there will also be a board game prize for best bake. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm probably not going to be able to bake, so I might judge. I don't know. I'll see if anyone else wants to help judging. Uh, <laughs> it will mean eating a lot of cake, and I'm not sure if I'm up for that. Oh, either. no. <laughs> That's, uh, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to find someone who's going to do that? Yes. Uh, and then the losers will have to eat the remainders of the cake while everyone else stands around chanting cake, cake, cake. <laughs> this is a tradition we have every year. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, then, yeah, the Mega Raffle uh, is going to be particularly big this year because we got a little bit of sponsorship from BoardGameNetwork.com. Oh, so it's a mega, mega raffle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, BoardGameNetwork.com is an interesting little uh, sort of startup uh, based in Dublin. And they're members of Board Games Ireland, actually, who are regular meetups. I wouldn't call them sort of an interesting little. Okay. Okay, well, it is interesting. Okay, (laughs) I will explain explain what BoardGameNetwork.com is. It's essentially grinder for board games. That's all you need to know. <laughs> you can there take are, it from there. There just are dozens of sexy board games in sure your neighbourhood that want to meet you. Just make sure you're insured and you're wearing a sturdy <laughs> Mac. And always sleeve, like. always sleeve the cards in your. Board. <laughs> um, what what the idea is? It's similar to the sort of thing we do with the meetup. It's again the problem is having a board game but not having anyone to play with it. This allows you to see other people in your location that also want to play that board game. So it's I haven't tried it out yet. Have you signed up on the beta yet? I did, but I'm not sure I was let in. Okay. Well, we will. We, we'll, okay. We, next, maybe the next podcast, we will get them in and they can explain it better. Because I'd imagine their elevator pitch isn't grinder for board games. <laughs> isn't sort of an interesting <laughs> maybe grinder for board games. Uh, but it, I think it's an interesting concept, and I was happy uh, for them to sponsor our mega raffle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we do have extra an extra room this year as well. In addition to the big like, long hall, we'll have an, oh, wow. uh, another room upstairs, uh, closer to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for oh, those of you like the glug glug. Uh, uh, and up there, Robin will be running a movable type tournament. So Robin yes. is a board game designer that's in our group. And uh, he's got a game that's doing quite well. I think you own a copy of it, yes? I got both copies now. Oh, I yes, had the original, the original. copy. And um, I showed it to Robin. He very kindly gave me um, uh, the second oh, good, good. edition as well, which is in a really nice big box. I've, I've yet to play it, but there is buzz around it. Yeah, there is. I've yet to play it too, yes. even though I have both editions. Okay, well, but it, there is buzz around it. Well, there you go. There's a tournament tomorrow. Um, sort of hums quietly in the back. It's the world's first movable type intergalactic championship. Uh, there'll be a trophy for the winner, uh, and um, I will also I'll surprise uh, supply a board game prize for that tournament. Um, okay, so starting at, that'll be starting at twelve in the uh, extra room upstairs, and it'll take no more than an hour for the whole set of games. So it's probably just going to be two room two rounds. Uh, it's super easy to play if you've never played before. So uh, he'll be giving a rundown of the rules, and then you can get cracking. 
Cool. Uh, also, in that extra room, I might, if we have time, or if I have the ability to set everything up, is I might run some of... There's this interesting thing called Jackbox.tv. It's kind of like a, uh, um, a party game type thing. Uh, but you basically run it either on a PC or a console or something. Um, and then it's just run. It's a big screen. But then people, the players all just use their own phone. OK, so it'll be like trivia questions or there's lots of really interesting little mechanisms like ones where you have to draw uh, ones where everyone's asked a series of questions like uh, about like, a topic. Like and, but that. one person is given a different topic and uh, you have to figure out who's giving weird answers and who's lying uh, to try and fit in. Yes, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's all also fun little mini games that, like that. And the it's, uh, they, they all go for a large complement of players. I think one even goes up to 99 players. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Uh, That'd be good. Yeah, so we might try uh, getting something like that running. I'll set up a projector, get all the bits in place. So just uh, to, haven't just got that locked in exactly just yet, but it, it is an, an aspiration. And just to clarify for listeners who may not know, Utter Boulder Dash is a game, not a criticism. Yes. <laughs> yes, I thought you were getting very... Uh, the, <laughs> the gentleman's club is talking Utter Boulder Dash. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's BiggieCon. Uh, go to BiggieCon.ie, BGICon.ie, and you can book tickets there online or you can get them at the door. But all the information about it is at BGICon.ie. You'll find out everything there. So, uh, yeah, we haven't done a podcast for a while. So uh, there is, like, we did record a podcast and didn't release it. We did. That, uh, was, the, um, that was the finale to yeah, Series yeah, 1. Yeah, I have put it on a USB stick and sellotaped at the back of a drain pipe somewhere in the city centre, the one copy of it. So yes. get hunting for that and enjoy it if you find it. So any USB sticks you find sellotaped to the backs of drain pipes, stick it straight into your computer, please. Yeah, <laughs> press play. Uh, press play and enjoy, yes. Yeah. Uh, the secret finale of season one of Board Games Ireland. Yeah, so, it's a great finale. Yeah, we, I, again, my, my, I, I know my uh, my health has been a bit poor. I, it's almost time for me to seek a new host buddy, I think. So that's why I haven't been able to record a podcast too much. But now I'm going to the doctor three times a week to get these injections. They inject me with that... Um, that red, fluid. No, it's the red goo from that black sarcophagus they found. So oh. I just get injected three times a week. And as a side effect, that helps you do <laughs> really do good podcasts. Yes, it does. Yeah. The, yes, yes. Nobody really knows why. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit better at the moment. So I'm starting to feel the side effects of the red goo. Good, enhancing good. my my spirit. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> so the way it's kind of dribbling out of your ears. <laughs> Uh, so, what have we played recently? So, you have played The Mind, which I've heard good things about, but I've yet to play. Mm. I played it, and I found it um, catastrophically awful. Oh. But that's because I think it's just... There's, all right, I'll explain what it is first, and then I'll explain why I thought it was catastrophically awful and why I think that's more a personal preference than, than any kind of... Um, uh, fault of the game itself so basically the very basic thing mechanic of the mind is almost a no mechanic what you have is you have a deck of cards from one to 100 uh, and you um first first of all you deal everybody i think it's one or two cards each and all you do the whole game is basically you put the cards down in order without saying a word so Basically, someone puts a card down if they've got a low card and then someone else puts a card down if they think their card is next. And if someone gets it wrong, someone says, no, that was my card and that's it. You're you've you've blown the round. Um, you can if you succeed with two cards, then you try with three cards, a hand of three, then you try with a hand of four hand of five hand of six hand of seven hand. Of. So the idea is um, that's it. Now, I bought this game thinking it would be great fun because I understood just briefly, you know, you couldn't talk during it. But I thought, well, you could do things like, you know, make signals or, or do interesting stuff. But no, you can't do anything. <laughs> you literally cannot do anything at all to give away. You just put the card down. So for me, that is about the most uninteresting yeah. and horribly dull way to spend 10 minutes like yeah. you put a card down and everyone goes no that was wrong <laughs> or people go or people just wait and put another card down and it's all done in silence now I can imagine why it gets a lot of buzz because possibly for example with a group of friends who really know each other or a group 
of people getting to know each other in some way, that mechanic of trying to guess and looking, glancing at people, trying to, or, or if you're sort of um, spiritually biased, or as I like to call it, mad, <laughs> you, you might kind of feel there's some kind of psychic energy building while you're doing this and that might make you feel oh that's really good i really enjoyed that kind of weird psychic event but for me um it's just putting cards on the table and hoping you're right and that's it and there's nothing else to it and yeah i i just found it um i just sort of it's, i bought it i actually bought it and then they were playing it at the meetup and i thought oh well, i'll get a chance to play it before it arrives excellent and then i just thought oh, that was a waste <laughs> why did i buy oh that? you just reminded me we will have a uh, selling table at BiggieCon. so if you have any old board games that you've no longer interested in you can sell it on the day <laughs> well I, d- I don't know what just thought made me bring things that <laughs> no but so just, there's would be you a- recommend it for really shy and introverted people here <laughs> um i suppose so I mean, if they're shy and introverted people, it could be a kind of mechanism to unlocking group <laughs> sort of engagement without actually having to say anything. Yes, that could work. But you're also giving... I mean, if you're shy and introverted, I don't know, maybe if you put down the wrong card and everyone goes, ooh, you're just like, oh, well, I screwed that up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I didn't really... Um, I didn't enjoy it. Okay. I found it was like a non-game. I thought, yeah. and what people are saying is it's like brilliantly simple idea, but when you play it, it's just amazing. And I thought, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a really simple thing and there's nothing to it. Well, I know you shouldn't judge a box by its cover, but I don't like the box <laughs> or its cover. <laughs> I, I like it even less now that I know it's got absolutely nothing to do with what happens in the game at all. There's no, yeah. it looks like the box cover that makes it look like there's some kind of fun, cute animal <laughs> sort of thing, which makes it look like a fun kind of party game. But nope, there's nothing to do with that. Well, um, a, a fun game I got recently, uh, and I, you, you've played it with me as well, uh, so we can both sort of chip in on this one, is Starship Samurai. I really like yeah. this. This is by the same guy who made um, uh, Dead of Winter. Yeah. But it couldn't be further removed. I'm not a big fan of Dead of Winter. Um, it's a bit grim. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like this. is too much like you roll a dice and that's you're dead. That's, yeah, that's, I, that. I don't like that. Um, but Starship Samurai does not involve any dice whatsoever. And that's what I really like about it, because I can really plan how a combat is going to go. And yeah. uh, I know what I'm getting into as I move, make my move. So the basic concept of this is it's kind of like um, a Japanese anime from like the 80s or something. Um, it's like gigantic robot samurai in space. Uh, so like stuff like Gundam and things like that. Um, the idea is, as usual, emperor dead, power vacuum for big clans fighting for uh, supremacy to see who rules the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, There are then also eight smaller clans as well and there's a really interesting mechanism with them as you move in there's influence tracks so each of the four clans that are controlled by players has a branch and as you take control of systems those systems will give you influence on a certain clan so you can move it so let's say if it's a number two influence in like the clan that looks kind of like a spring its logo uh, every turn you will be able to move that clan's influence up to or down to why would you want to move it down to if it's on one of your opponent's branches so you can start slowly moving it down their branch all the way to the bottom and then start moving it up your branch so and if you still have that in a particular position if, like at the top of your branch uh, it's worth a huge amount of victory points at the end of each round If you, so yeah. generally that's the way I've won that game is by having like three clans at the top and that's like 15 victory points per turn um, actual mechanism itself is everyone there's like a, a slight drafting system where everyone gets to pick two of these samurai uh, these are these big plastic models they're really nice models and um, they all have their own different abilities and they're, all the abilities are great so it is quite hard to decide what you want um, and so you'll end up with two of these and then you will also have a fleet of ships as well a carrier and a bunch of little fighters and then it's basically there'll be four planets out each round and you need to move your ships in to take control and basically control is just having the majority a bigger number in that system than your opponent and the different samurais are worth different amounts of like 
uh, points as well so they will contribute more to what your number is in that system but there's only seven spaces in each system so it gets very cramped very quickly so if uh, people will be moving their fleets in to try and first to try and grab the planet but then there's not leaving room for other fleets to move in so you're trying to like find ways to remove ships uh, weaken the player that's currently controlling it and so on uh, lots of nice mechanics then when it actually comes to battle itself uh, you just add up the, your number of oh, what the value of your fighters are worth one your carries are worth two and your samurai could be worth between two and six uh, depending on the samurai and then every, each player has the option to play like a battle card which then will have either special effects or augment uh, your battle number so and whoever has the highest number leaves with the trophy gets the system and uh an interesting thing is the loser stays there so their ships are already deployed for the next round for whatever planet comes out next and it's yeah. played over four rounds once the stack of planets is exhausted beautiful artwork on these planets as well uh, and each of them have different attributes and some of them will generate income each round some of them will generate victory points and most all of them will also move a clan marker up and down Re- simple enough uh, little rules and mechanics in the thing but it's almost like every little planet system because they're so small it almost comes like these little Sudoku puzzles you're trying to solve it's like well, if I move these ships in here and then you're going like okay I've moved to here well look the others have left an opening for me over here I could risk it and try and grab two maybe three systems uh, this round and see what happens um, my only downside of the game is they sort of cheaped out in one aspect uh, the samurais do not have uh, what the game really needs is small little coloured bands to clip onto the bases of the samurai. Yeah. So you would yeah. have two co- a color, so it is different coloured teams so for each player. Uh, so if you could like p- clip them onto your samurai so everyone knows that samurai belongs to that player. Because the samurais are just all grey big robots. They are lovely models, but uh, they're all painted. So they all do look a bit same and you're trying to remember who belongs with to who. And that's confusing. Uh, apparently it would have added an extra €10 Euro onto the price of the game if they included those bands. Because they don't have those bands manufactured in any yeah. other games. So. And it, I've tried some of my other games that do have bands like Conan and stuff like that they don't fit so uh, I'll have to find a solution I'm sure I haven't checked because it's a relatively new game it only came out about two weeks ago so um, I will have to check to see if someone on board Game Geek has come up with a solution yet oh they're bound to yeah yeah so uh, yeah you've played it so what did you make of it um, it's one of these interesting games where you've got um, you actually what you have is two things you have a very in the end, the power um, differentials are actually very minor, for particularly for planets that everybody wants. Because once everybody sort of goes in there, it's really down to one or two um, power points in the difference, and whether someone can get one thing in or one thing in. So you get you've got that kind of finely tuned power balance, and at the same time, you have a lot of um, possibilities with cards and powers and things that people can do so there's quite a lot of complexity into getting the right balance of power in each square um sometimes people can just leave a square open you can you can go for the easy ones pick up those and and take those but there are some square there's always going to be one square of the four when the planets come out which is um better than the others and everyone's going to be after it um so it's one of those games where, yeah, it's great. And I think the more you play it and the more you learn the possibilities of the cards and the and the various powers, um, the more interesting it gets. Yeah, because I think that is a, bi- a big aspect of it as well, because I find it very easy for myself to know if I can win a battle or not. And I will tell the other players, I'm saying, move your ships elsewhere because you're just going to lose if you try and fight me here. And yeah. generally people listen. And I, I'm then I'm not just making an empty boast. I do know exactly because there are, unless they've got a card, there are a few cards that can really throw a spanner in the works, but they genuinely require you to spend something. And if I can see that that player doesn't have what's the required spend. to spend it, uh, it's either money or victory points yeah. or ships. Uh then I know they don't have the card that one card that can counter me so I can go without, absolutely assuredly and know I can win a certain victory and I, I really like that level of like I can predict how it's going to go for me uh, 
You mean, you, know. mean, you mean you like a game where there's absolute certainty that well, you're going no, to win? Well, no, no, that I set it up to that, that, yeah, I, yeah, that yeah. I can set it up that yeah. I have absolute certainty of winning. Um, That's what I like. I as like, opposed to like, oh, it's all going to come down to if I roll a dice. You know, I like a uh, game. I like a game where you just you, you set out the board and I know <laughs> that I'm just going to yeah. win it. Or put all the chess pieces out. Oh, yeah. I'm going to win this one. <laughs> Um, so yeah no I, I'd really recommend Starship Samurai it's fast becoming a favourite game of mine actually um, and uh, it's just a lot quicker to teach than something like Kemet which would be another favourite game of mine again another yeah. game where you can like really like figure out how battle's gonna go and you can like make predictions and figure out okay I can definitely win this because yeah. I'm going in with such an overwhelming force that I there's no way the other player can do it and uh, yeah just I really I quite just that sort of thing appeals to me that I can absolutely prepare for every eventuality and just <laughs> know what's going to happen uh, so that, that I think that's, that's that just really appeals yeah. to me in a game and I really really like Starship Samurai so hopefully I can solve I might even paint the figures have a go at that and that one might alleviate the issue but yeah there, there's got to be a banding issue or some way to get those little circles circles to click onto the bottom of the bases will make it's a big quality of life improvement that would be <laughs> um so uh yeah yeah so another game that we played that you picked up that i i really liked as well is decrypto yes so um decrypto is a very interesting game because it's it's virtually impossible to explain even after having played it three or four times it's virtually impossible to explain why it works or indeed indeed what's actually happening but at its core it's a combination of two games one game is code names which is all about trying to get people to guess the meanings of other words so you you, you as part of the of decrypto you'll have a set of words random words like bread jam dinosaur and balloon and those will be in a certain order one two three four one will be bread two will be jam three will be dinosaur four will be a balloon you will be able to see those, and there'll be another team with a set of words and insert in the same sequence, different words. And what you're doing is you're giving clues to those words in order according to a random sequence. There's a randomizer. So you could give clues, for example, one, three, four. So you'd be looking at bread, dinosaur, balloon. You're not allowed to say bread, dinosaur, balloon, but it has to be in that order, and you have to give clues. So you might say something like baked extinct and helium and and then your team would write those down and the other team would write those down and your team would then try and guess um, the meanings of your words because they can see the words and they look at your clues and they can go well helium's probably a balloon dinosaurs are extinct bake can be bread can be baked so that's one three four and that's the random number sequence you have correct everybody's happy if they get it wrong you get a black mark and the game can go to eight rounds and you're only allowed to get two black marks or you lose. Now, once the team is guessed, you reveal the number one, three, four. So the other team will know that bread, dinosaur, balloon matches to one, three, four. Um, no, so they'll know the clues. So they'll know that um, baked, um, extinct and helium matches to one, three, four. And they will know that those are clues. So as the game goes on, you begin to gather more and more of the other team's clues under certain numbers. So under number one, the other team might st- might start to the right baked, and then as the ter- game goes on and we're, we're, we're going through more and more clues, they'll be writing baked, they'll be writing brown, they'll be writing soda, and they will know that all of those things go with number one. So they'll begin to get a picture of the sort of clues, the type of thing that might be under number one. And after round one, they can start guessing what numbers you're actually using. So when I um, go, like later on, I go three, four, one. So I'm going, um, it's basically dinosaur, balloon, bread. And I'm giving more clues and new clues. They will have a whole bunch of clues written under these numbers and they will begin to guess from my clues. And the key to this game and the key to why it's fun is you're trying to give clues that are always different enough that another team the other team can't work out exactly what the connection is but the same enough so that your team who can see the word will always know what it is so for example if you have a word like white i I, this is actually came up with a game i played um just the other day so the, the word white came up so i was able to say things like um 
lightning or um, bulb or snow and all and I even said uh, rhino and rhino was my fourth clue and I knew when I said rhino the other team would have no mm-hmm. clue what on earth rhino had to do with the other yeah. clues but my team would because they could see the word right white so they could see white rhino that'll work so that's the key to the game you're tra- you're trying to always give these you've got this set of words and you're trying to give clues to the words over and over and over and over again same clues but they have to be always different and your team always has to know what they are whereas the other team always has to try and guess and put them together in you a said kind of conceptual way one game meets another game what was the other game the other game sorry i did say that the other game is um dixit so dixit it has that mechanic where you're trying to get certain people to guess something yeah. correctly while other people get it wrong and it's the same sort of thing here um, you're always trying to get your team to guess correctly. The only difference is that your team can actually see the words. Yeah. Whereas the other May team I can. posit a third game? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we've had enough games <laughs> it, used I, as metaphors for other games to explain further games to people who probably haven't even heard this before. Well, the, we one I'm, the one I'm talking about is quite an old game. Is. game uh, Mastermind, which is quite an old game from the 70s. I remember it with a box has like a, a James Bond type villain type guy and a sexy lady standing next to him. And Magnus Magnuson. <laughs> uh, but no, it's not not to, nothing to do with the um, the quiz show. Um, oh. And so it's just you have to guess a combination of four pegs, coloured pegs. Yeah. And and it's, again, it's through sort of process of elimination okay. over rounds. You're like asking, is this correct? Is this combination correct? Is this combination correct? Okay. So it's got that mechanic. Yeah. There's the, that. Yeah, yeah. There is that. And um, a fourth board game will be battleships, I suppose. There's a kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there is like a fun like red acetate sheet. And yeah, there is, down it's, that there's a cool thing where it has this red acetate sheet, and the words are all printed on little cards, and you slide them into this um, sheet with four kind of windows in it, and the words are kind of um, they're quite difficult to read normally until you slide them into the windows, and then they suddenly appear. There's no reason for it other than that it looks really cool. Yeah, it does. And you see that and you're like, oh, I want to play that. And also the design is excellent. It's got yeah. these little floppy disk cards. Ah, it all like looks beautiful. Retro it's sort really of good. 80s feel about it. No, I enjoyed it a lot. It's definitely something I will pick up at some point. Yeah, I definitely recommend um, um, people to get it. Although I would say um, you do need to play it through it once or twice just to get the hang of what's actually happening. Even when we were playing it the other night and I played it four times, people were still going, still trying to work out exactly how it was working. That's mm-hmm. the key thing is it was working. We knew it was playing well, it was working, but people couldn't work out why. I mean, how did it How did it actually come together like that? Um, yeah. Um, okay, so another game I played, which is a very recent release. We're, we're really like up there with the hot new releases on yeah. a lot of these. We're, uh, on the, we're, on the, we're on the pulse of, um, like, we're way beyond, like, Monopoly now. Yeah. This is, I'm going to talk about, is Century Eastern Wonders, which is the sequel to uh, Century Spice Road. And I know Century Spice Road is one of those games everyone I introduced to it absolutely loves it. It's like, it's a really popular game. Anyway, it's just, it's really simple to play and it like clicks with people very quickly how it works. Yeah. And uh, it's compared often to Splendor. Most people seem to prefer Splendor. I think I like it more. I just think there's like this slightly more interaction around the players in it. Um, but uh, Eastern Wonders, I'm still trying to get the grips of it. Um, but I think there's even more interaction with the other players than that because right. uh, it doesn't have any cards. You've played. Have you played? You have yet to no, play. No, yet yeah, to play. Wow, you no, played. You're it's, constantly it's surprised. Spice Road. It's a very good yeah. game. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eastern Wonders uses similar mechanic. So it's a type of game where you're building an engine, a uh, boat with a mar. Uh, you, how you're trying to convert this four different types of spices and uh, some are worth less than others and one's worth a lot Uh, and so you're trying to upgrade those spices to the higher value one and get a certain combination like so like the brown ones like might be worth the most so five five of them and two red ones will be what you need to get to get like um 20 victory points and so you're trying to like create an engine where like oh, if I have this card in the original one, you if I have this card, I'll play this. This will turn three yellow into two red. Yeah. And then I have another card that will just straight upgrade those two red uh, into two brown and so on. Yeah. So you're building these and trying to 
get from colors to colors to colors so that you match the combination that you can trade in and then score them uh, that that particular point card so that's kind of a very basic rundown of how the first game works uh if the first game has like a card deck building mechanic as well so you're building you're taking these cards from a market that give you different upgrade options and, yeah. uh, and so on um there's no cards whatsoever in eastern wonders instead it's a map uh, that you're it's a place as all these tiles of little islands and you have a boat and you're sailing around these islands oh, yeah. okay. and each of these islands has a different upgrade path on it yeah so which will convert certain types of cubes into other cubes yeah and you need to go to those islands create an outpost and then you can take a market action there, which will let you convert your cubes to other cubes yep. on that and, and the ones that are listed on that island. Uh, what makes this interesting and more interactive is if someone else goes to that same island and wants to take that market action, they have to build an outpost as well. But mm-hmm. they have to pay one cube from their hold uh, uh, for each outpost that's already there. Yeah. So the beginning of the game is everyone trying to build as many outposts as possible because yeah. it's going to get very expensive to do that. If there's three outposts there, yeah. it's going to cost you three cubes before you can build sure. your outpost. And there's certain islands that will be more um, appealing because you can build a little better engine. Uh, you're also restricted by movement as well, so you can only move one space per turn. Mm-hmm. If you want to move an additional space, you have to drop a cube on that tile. Okay. And any player who wins their move there will take that cube. Right. If you end your turn on a tile with other players' ships there, you have to play those players one cube from your hold right. as well. Because uh, okay. they have to move their ships out of the port yeah, and you yeah. have to go in, so you have to compensate them. So there's little mechanisms like that where you can almost like like blockade people and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, make them like pay. They won't, I'm sure they they use the market action, but now they don't have the cube they need to convert because yeah, yeah. they have to give it to you. So there's little things like that. And then you're trying to get to the corners of the board are where these like international shipping lines are, where you ha- trade in your points. Uh, yeah. for points victory points and as soon as someone has four of those tiles uh, that's when the gameplay ends okay um, there's another mechanic in those outposts that you're dropping um, you have a little sheet with a bunch of these outposts on it and there's four types of islands for each of the different resources mm-hmm. and once you have uh, an outpost on all four that's a column on your little board empty and that unlocks a special ability for you okay. so the special abilities are like a larger cargo hold um, there's a harvest action you can take so instead of using a market action you take a harvest action that just gives you two of the most basic cube the yellow cube yeah. uh, which I believe is ginger uh, at any time um, uh, I, you can get one a, a, an unlockable that will give you a red cube which is chili uh, in addition to your two ginger when you take a harvest action mm-hmm. you can have an action that whenever you build an outpost you get to upgrade one cube in your hold right. one level Right. Uh, then you have this one that's just pure victory points and it gets less and less so the first person to take that six points then five then four okay. um, then there is also one that's just extra movement and that one actually is really useful because getting around the board becomes yep. a big issue yep. uh, so it gives you plus one movement you don't have to spend the cube to move two spaces okay. and uh, then is there anything else no I think that's all of them uh, the unlockable so it's just interesting you're drawing. so there's so many different strategies there and I'm still not sure what the best one is uh, so you can go for like getting these unlockables to make it easier for you to move around or you can just concentrate on these like three or four little islands and guess don't bother building outposts and just stick to those islands and get your little engine going like I can make this cube to this cube to that cube and that will give me what I need to get that what what other cubes are there apart from um ginger and chili ginger chili cloves is the big boy that's the really expensive one uh, then the green oh, cloves are horrible yeah but yeah they were they're rare <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the most then the, the other one that the most famous of spices uh, uh, the green cube is tea oh yeah green tea yeah, yeah. yeah. that's famous spice yeah <laughs> I'll put it on everything so really interesting game interesting strategies haven't quite figured out I've only played it twice now and I'm, uh, yeah I'm really I'm starting to really like it first I wasn't sure if I liked it more than the compared the other one or not uh, but I'm really liking so many different approaches to get points and all the little strategies you can apply um, then the clever thing which I haven't actually done yet is the clever thing of this game and the previous game is I don't know what what the technical term is it because no one's done it before <laughs> but me I'm favouring the term called gestalt uh, uh, after um, therapist in, in the uh, in the Freud well gestalt is you know what a it's gestalt image is it's like the vase that also looks like two people kissing don't know what that is yeah. okay it's, it's a gestalt is two things at Bless the same you. time 
Uh, so, <laughs> so um, it's yeah, like it's like the old lady and the duck. No, yeah. no, it's the duck and the rabbit. It's the old lady and the young lady. Yeah, yeah. these are Gestalt images. Bless you. Yes, yes, I know. yes. And in the old Transformers cartoon, I don't think it was out. They were ever officially called that, but they were called the, the the Transformers that combine. And like, so you have five Transformers and they join together to make one big Transformer. That's not really Gestalt, though, is it? It is a Gestalt. Yeah, is it? That's their, their, their work t- no, so Gestalt's Gestalt. basically transforming one thing into well, another. Well, it's two things. It's both five trucks and one big robot. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Hmm. Yeah, so it's two separate games, but also one game. Yes, so the, the, so I should explain what all this means. Is yeah, East Century Spice Road and Century Eastern Wonders are both their own individual games. They're not expansions. They're both standalone, wonderful games on their own. But they also combine into a third game. Yeah, uh, which I have yet to play. So I will give my opinion on that once I've played it. Uh, so it'll be a third game then based out of the two. And then there's another one coming out next year. Yeah, and that will be its own standalone game. It will combine individually either one, and then it will also combine into a gigantic game. I wouldn't call that Gestalt. I'd call that a concatenatory <laughs> entertainment dynamic. <laughs> well, we'll see whose term gets more popular. <laughs> so Gestalt's already popular. It's a it's a, it's a nice enough price point. I think it's about forty quid or something, thirty six to forty quid. Um, there's a lot of game in that box, and uh, yeah, I would recommend it. It's very good fun. Great. Sounds uh, great. I love I love the combination idea. I just I'd I'd want to play it just out of curiosity. Yeah, it sounds high it concept, and whether it works or not, I've heard it's supposed to be very good. Yeah, uh, but I haven't tried it yet. So <laughs> yeah, next podcast we will have tried it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so okay, yeah. One other interesting thing we did recently. Well, I did. You weren't available that evening. <laughs> um, was uh, we had a Friday the Thirteenth uh, last month in July. And uh, I have a game called Last Friday, which is very much themed around uh, the Friday the 13th movies in that it's like horny teenagers going to a summer camp and there's an axe murderer that's going to kill them all. Yeah. Uh, It's a hidden movement type game in the vein of Letters from Whitechapel, Fury of Dracula, which means one player is moving around the board and the other players don't know where they are. Yeah. And in this case, it's the killer. Uh, is moving around the board trying to stalk and murder the uh, teenagers. Um, What makes this game slightly more interesting um, is the fact that it's played over four different rounds and roles sort of swap. So first round, uh, the setup round, is like the teenagers arriving uh, at the camp and they're going to need to be find the keys to their cabins and the the keys to the cabins that they're trying to get into are in these tents that are scattered around. And it's the killer gets to decide which key goes in which tent. So they're trying to find those keys, get to the cabins on the first round while the killer is moving around the board trying to pick them off one by one. Yes. Uh, each player is given three teenagers. So if your teenager does die, you're not eliminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get start the next round with a fresh teenager mm-hmm. comes in. Um, then once that first round is over, it's daytime and the teenagers are then pursuing the uh, killer who's trying to escape. Yes. And then it goes back again. Uh, one of the uh, whoever's closest to the killer or whoever kills the killer in that second round or whoever's closest to the killer, if the killer doesn't get killed, will become the chosen one. Uh, oh, yeah. And that is the one person that the killer has to kill in the third round. So they'll be pursuing that one person and everyone else will be trying to protect, protect them. them. Yeah, I remember, I remember playing this. It's, and yeah. then the last round, if the chosen one hasn't been killed, the chosen one has to kill the killer. Yes. And pursued him down. So we did a little play through this and we met up on Friday the 13th in the Clockwork Door because uh, it was a nice quiet location. Unfortunately, at parts, uh, there are people loudly playing cards against humanity in the background and that's the real <laughs> horror. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there's that. It's also a new microphone that I'd just gotten that day that plugs into my phone. So it's kind of like quality is probably not as good as I would. Uh, so like. this, is, this is going to be, this is Friday the 13th on Friday yes. the 13th oh, it's it's not we're not allowed to say Friday the 13th it's called Last Friday so oh, yeah. we're not allowed to use that descriptor because they didn't get the trademark yeah but they can't it's stop just, me it's just yeah. I think it's going to happen that's right yeah. oh I don't know oh, I've got to go now there's a guy at the door <laughs> he's in a hockey mask <laughs> uh, um, so, so it's but it starts off with um, just to just to set the scene um, it's a scary park and it's full of tents yes and so, so there's a lot of setting up of tents it's very beginning. tense Yes, it's very tense. So <laughs> that's just just so you're aware. So when we kick off with it, you'll, yeah. you'll hear a lot about tense. So I should explain also. Uh, so playing the game with me is uh, Norma, Rob and Sharif. And uh, yeah, so 
yeah, we'll just play that now and just it'll just give you a little bit of a mood for the type of game. Now, we did kind of have to wrap up early, so because uh, uh, the place closes at 10, so I do a little wrap up at the end of this segment. So enjoy this segment, and if you don't enjoy this segment, it's about 6 minutes, 40 seconds long, so feel free to skip forward in the podcast if you want. Okay, so I have placed all the tents. Some of those tents have the keys, which the campers will be looking for um, to get into the cabins. Uh, I haven't quite chosen where I'm going to start yet, but we'll see. Um, and of course, I've placed the, the keys in such a way to be as awkward as possible for the campers to find them and get to the cabin. And yeah, so they'll have to figure that out. <laughs> but we'll see how things go. Things are getting quite tense at this moment. We're on to round six, and uh, I just revealed where I was three turns ago. So there is a good chance that I might be close to some of them. So two, you've moved. Your red has moved, red has moved. on eventually. Yeah, no killings. <laughs> Wait, can you show me how you moved again, just real quick? I was here and I went one, two, okay. three. I used my. Speed. Yes, that's fine. That's, I'll are you that. sure? Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, that's a murder-free move. Thank you, circular. Sir kills a lot. Oh, Norma's thinking very carefully about her move now. <laughs> He's going to get you. I don't know. I don't Yep, that's dead. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh no! So I think your corpse goes down. He killed you. So close. But well, she walked into me. <laughs> Ned dead? Just Ned is gone. Ned's dead. <laughs> so our first kill of the day. And I immediately get to move again. So upon killing, I get a free bonus move, which I have just taken. So, will there be another killing? So I just got an extra move. When she died, I get an extra move. So green goes one. And for my second move, I'm going to drop my ear. Okay. I do that? Yeah. Where do I drop it? Here? Are you going to use it or drop it? Use it. Interesting. Can I do that? Yeah. That will, I will have to oh, reveal. No, actually, you know, yeah, well, I will because I want to know where you are. Okay, so, well, it, well, no, if you use it, I will be revealing if I'm in an easy adjacent numbered space. Oh, so. So, did you think it will be any use or not? I'm scared. <laughs> okay, so are you going to use it? Yes. Okay. Uh, let me see what happens. Because <laughs> that's a very wise choice, by the way. Yeah, I think I just. Re- do I just reveal? I think no To know. You're like, are you sure? Because maybe, maybe you should. I was just thinking. You'll only say if he's in the adjacent. I didn't want to wasting it. Otherwise, you've wasted It's possible I could have. I could have wasted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't reveal my exact location. I just say yes. I am in one of those adjacent numbers. Oh. And adjacent. Yeah. This makes it even more terrifying. Oh my god. Which but you should be able to process the nomination work out where I am. I haven't got a key yet. But I think you just saved Red's life by doing Because <laughs> if I move over you, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, because think how could I get over there in one move from where I was here? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that was, wait, that was, that was three moves ago. I took a double move at one point. Okay, so we are about to go into the next round. So the first round ended with uh, me doing actually quite well in my killing. It's the best I've ever done in this game. So I managed to kill three campers, which meant I had more terror points than they had salvation points, because they get salvation points based on how many campers survive. So it meant I got back the special ability that I used, which I at one point I was able to double move. But now day is breaking. Um, I have to escape because the campers who hold up for the night are going to come out trying to kill me and new campers are about to arrive in a van so they'll be out hunting me and I start in the location I was in last time
Okay, so the venue we were using, the locker door, closed 10 and Friday, the last Friday as the game does run on quite long and uh, so, so we kind of had to wrap up super quick uh, towards the end, so which meant we didn't have time to record. But it, it is an interesting game because what happened then was we eventually get to the point where uh, one of the players becomes like the, the predestined one, or final girl I believe is the technical term within uh, horror movie circles. Um, and it's that that character is the one who is the only one who can kill me in the last round so if i'm still alive in the last round um this one character has to kill me so but in the round before that that's the character i'm trying to kill so in the third round i have to kill that one person and if i kill that one person i win the game and i did some really nice moves where i got all the way across the map they didn't quite know where i was and i misled them a lot and i was right on top but i kind of just made one sort of slight mistake i kind of got into a corner pursued her a, a final girl into like a corner where she was able to move further away from me than she wanted and turns ran out and it was just even using a power that gives me one extra turn didn't allow me to get to kill her which meant going into the last round which we didn't have time to play uh, i was just like one move away from the last girl because we start the final girl because we start in the same places so she it would have just been a matter and they go first so it would have been a matter of them just moving one space I think I'd probably go to it if I wasn't rushed, but yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a very difficult game if you're the killer, um, and uh, I think I think I'm getting the hang of it <laughs> after three games of this. Now I think I'm beginning to get the hang of the killer, but it's very tough as the killer, very very tough. But really interesting game, very atmospheric, uh, quite tense as well when the killer is getting close to the players and they don't know where the killer is. So you can have a lot of fun misleading them and things like that. Uh, so that was uh, last Friday, Friday the thirteenth style game live playthrough maybe we'll do more live playthroughs in future so uh <laughs> that was interesting what did you think of that live playthrough do you think it's something we should do again um yeah definitely i think we should do it again and better better <laughs> I I was, more. Oh, but i want to do it worse <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, again, I, I, worse. I, I won't half-ass it. I will use my whole ass next time. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe because uh, I purchased Gloomhaven recently, the 10 kilogram board game that's currently top-rated board game in the world on Board Game Geek. And Gloomhaven uh, Day is coming up. Yes, <laughs> Gloomhaven Day. Yes. Uh, so we will. Oh no, Gloomy Monday. When do you want to play that? On Gloomy Gloom Monday. Oh, isn't that that stupid marketing thing? Are we allowed to call it that? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll do to try recording our playthrough of Gloomhaven, our first playthrough of that. That would be just a confused playthrough. A lot of people going, is that the right rule? <laughs> oh, no, I've, we already did sort of a mini playthrough. So okay. uh, myself and Owen know what we're doing, All right. sort of. Uh, so, yeah, we'll try that. Um, I think that's about all, unless you do you have anything else you want to say. Me? Yes. Not the other guy here? <laughs> He's been sitting in the yeah. corner there. <laughs> um, no, I think that's everything I've got to say, yeah. Yeah, so just yeah, we're just easing ourselves back into podcasting with this a brand new, brand new season. Season two. This yes. is the opening episode of season two. This is basically um, there's a lot of um, you know, it's like character establishment and you know, um, you know, talking about what things are and stuff like that. But the action, the real action, the story will kick off in um, episode two. You pity you missed the finale. It was fantastic. Um, some uh, White Walkers. Broke the, broke the fourth wall it's very important to leave a smoking board game on a shelf <laughs> in the first episode <laughs> uh, so yeah that's all for us so BiggieCon is this weekend uh, we will do a live report from BiggieCon as well I'm sure we will record some bits at the BiggieCon uh, so that if you don't make it to the uh, con you'll be able to hear bits of it it'll be the next best thing to have been there to being there hearing uh, bits of it a week <laughs> when it's too late yeah. yes it'll give you a flavour a flavour for next year uh, so yeah thank you that's all from me Gavin and and from me also yes Frank Frank uh, his name is Frank <laughs> okay thanks for listening and cue team tune <laughs>